From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hey guys, and welcome to the Screeners Podcast. This is Melody. This is Chad. This is Chris. I'm Josh. And I'm Daniel. And we are back again to talk all things media with you guys. Very glad to be back for this episode. It's going to be packed full of compelling discussion. I'm very sure that our listeners are just really going to love this one. So please, we would love to hear your feedback on all the things we discuss on today's show and any things you guys might want to hear us talk about in the future. So please feel free to visit our Facebook. Just search for Screeners Podcast and leave us comments. Send us communication so that we can interact with you guys, our listeners, that we love so much. So with that, let's get into the show. All right, so to start things off this episode, um, I noticed a post that I didn't make, but that someone made, uh, someone in this recording, on our Facebook page about a new venture called The Screening Room. And the basic gist of this is that users pay, you sign up for the service, you pay 150 bucks and you get a set-top box, like a cable box, but it's essentially a streaming media box. And then for new releases that come out in the theater, you pay 50 bucks a piece and you get to watch it once within the next two days. But the catch being, of course, that you get to watch it the same time as it's coming out in theaters. You don't have to wait for video on demand or Hulu or anything like that, or Netflix, I mean. And it's caused uh, like a bit of a divide in the filmmaker community. There's there are the directors who think that you know cinema is a communal experience, and that going to the theater is the last communal experience of art we have left. And then there are other directors who are like, no, this is good for the industry. People want to sit at home and watch movies now, so let them do it. And so I thought I would bring this to the screeners roundtable. And just ask what you guys think of this. What, what do you think of the, the service in general? And what do you think of this whole kind of art criticism discussion that's, that's uh, wound up around this, being into filmmaking as you guys are? Um, so I'm going to go ahead and start with Melody. What did you think of this, this article? Well, I thought the article was intriguing. I, I, okay, personally... I like the idea as much as I love going to the theater because I totally do and we totally do it a lot. Theater has been like, it's our thing and we love it, right? But when I was reading the arguments from the side that's saying this is a terrible idea, like to me their arguments just seem so ridiculous. Like to say that the theater going experience is definitively always the best experience of watching a film seems ridiculous to me. Like there are many times when it is, sure, but not for every movie or every theater. Like I've been to countless theaters where the experience was horrible, whether it was, you know, bad 3D or bad sound or disruptive patrons or dirty facilities or whatever. So like there there are theaters that I do like and that do a good, good job. But to say every movie definitively is best seen in the theater, to my mind, is ridiculous. And And then also like to say, like I get the whole sort of it's a group experience thing and, you know, that's a... One of the last, I don't know what he was saying, something about the communal thing. And, like, I get that, of course, for the big movies like Star Wars or some, you know, big, huge release and the whole group is excited. Like, that's fun. That's part of why I love the theater. But 
to say that every movie needs that or to say that every movie becomes that just because it's shown in a theater to me is just like I, I don't understand how that can possibly be viewed as a valid argument. So to me, I love the idea. I don't think that for me, like if I bought a box for $150 or whatever it was and then paid $50 for the movie, like I'm not going to – that's not going to stop me from going to the theater. What that would probably do is just get me to see more movies, right? Because I'd still go to the theater to see the ones I want to see in the theater. And then I just get to see extra ones at home. So, in my mind, I think that the arguments against it are a little faulty. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can see that. Chad, I have a feeling you're going to have an opinion about this. No. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Melody came out and sided with Josh on the very first thing. I can't even believe it. <laughs> I totally did. I can't I even did. I'm, I'm not apologizing. You, you're welcome. I'm not. Yeah. Some things deserve an apology, madam. But... <laughs> So you know where I'm going to come down on this. There, there are a couple things that the communal argument about, or excuse me, about art together, I think that's, I, I hadn't thought about that specific point, but as I began to try to come up with other things that could also be a shared experience, uh, the list is pretty small. So I do think in some degree that point is, is valid, although for me personally, uh, the bigger deal for me is that I, it's clear to me that this decision is primarily driven by money, just like all these decisions <laughs> are. And so they're trying to find ways to make more money. And I do strongly agree that there is nothing like seeing a, a film with a group of people um, and not just the big blockbusters. I mean, I've had a shared experience like all of us have had in the cinema where Things just for whatever reason, maybe it's psychological, but there's an energy in the room, there's an emotion in the room that makes it wonderful. Yes, I get super mad when the kid behind me is kicking my seat or the teenagers are on their phone and I want to do bad things to them. But at the same time, uh, I think on on the whole, and this is coming from somebody who has uh, admittedly spent a lot of money on a big television and a really nice surround sound and all of that stuff, I still don't think there is anything like seeing a movie uh, in the cinema from even a technological standpoint. But the last thing I'll say about it is I know this isn't quite apples to apples, but it's the thing that makes me a little nervous about this, this first domino falling down is that it's kind of like the Netflix blockbuster rental store, even though I know it's not quite the same. But as soon as this becomes available, I get worried that more and more resources from the film industry will be pulled from the local theater experience in in some ways for like the smaller theaters. And it'll somewhat will turn into this kind of the Walmartization of cinemas where you can only go to the massive screens and, and all that kind of stuff. So it makes me a little worried on that side of it. But for me, you know where I stand. I'm, I'm all about going to the theater uh, if I can. Although it would be cool like a little Oscar time movies to be able to not have to drive 55 minutes to see them because I live in a very small-minded town that doesn't believe you can show movies that don't have a certain demographic appeal. But other than that, that's yeah, I'm, I'm all about the cinema for sure. Chad, an unsurprising take on it but well stated nonetheless. Daniel, how about you? I actually, I agree 100% with everything that Chad said. High five. Phrase it very, very well. Very good job. Uh, I agree exactly. I mean, uh, like you, Chad, I go to the movies a lot, uh, and and so I'm 
think of anything replacing the theater going experience, especially with like comedies. I mean, seeing a movie and laughing with a whole audience of people, is just a different thing than seeing it on your TV at home. It just really is. And, and that goes for a lot of different types of movies, not just comedies, but seeing nothing can replace the theater going experience. But, uh, you know, not every movie has to be seen that way. So I'm like, I'm torn on this idea. I'm not immediately turned off by the idea right now because it's not really affordable for most people as the way, the way it is right now. Uh, but like Chad said, that's, you know, that's just the first domino. So what, what does worry me is when it gets cheaper and cheaper and cheaper to where it, it would be stupid to go to the theater. Like that, that's when, that's what I'm worried about where people, uh, are, are dumb for going to the theaters because they're losing money. Um, I want, you know, I know it's expensive now to go to the theater, but when, when I see like beasts of no nation, not doing very well, even though it's a great movie, uh, but it was only released on Netflix and, and honestly not that many people saw it. And that's the thing that, that worries me when, um, great movies aren't seen that much because, uh, it's just a cheap movie that was released at home. You know, I, I don't want theaters to be hurt by this. So I don't have a hard opinion about this. I just, uh, my opinion is I don't want theaters to die. <laughs> so for right now, I don't think this is that big of a deal, but I, I'm worried about what this will do to the future of, of movie going. Here, here. Yes, here, here. All right, Chris, before I get my word in, I'll <laughs> yeah. let you have yours. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Listen, we've had this similar conversations about these kinds of things before, right? And, you know, it comes down to me, and I think Melody hit the nail on the head for me, is that I don't think this would stop me from going to the theater. I love going to the theater, but I think I would go to the theater because it's a good experience and I know that I'm going to have... So we we just got a new theater in, in our hometown, as a Cinebistro, it is a wonderful experience, right? We go there because we know we're going to have a first-class experience. The projection is going to be wonderful. The sound is going to be great. We're going to have a nice comfy leather couch. Uh, well, it is a couch with recliner and all that kind of stuff. And I know that it's going to be a good experience. The things that I don't like when I'm going to the theater is going to a place that I'm not sure I'm going to have a good experience. A couple of weeks back, we went to this really junky old theater and it was terrible. It was one that would barely had the, the raised seating and all that stuff. And it just was, it was not a good experience. We did not, we did not have a good time in that theater and you still pay the same price. Uh, and that's the annoying thing is, is that if you don't have consistency in theaters, then people aren't necessarily going to really want to go. And so I feel like if, if we narrow it down to where the theaters are a good experience and we know we're going to go to a place that's going to be great and then we can watch everything else at home uh, and have the option of saying, you know, especially for us with kids, you know, we've got two young kids at, at, in our home. It'd be wonderful to be able to watch Zootopia here with them in a controlled space where if they need to use the restroom or whatever, we can pause the, the, the movie and they can go do their thing and we Reach can have it. snacks and all that kind of stuff and have a controlled environment for that kind of stuff. So for me, for families, I think this could be a really big deal, especially bigger families, because they're not able to go see a film because it's so expensive and they're not sure they're going to get a great experience and the kid may scream and then you know, you're ruining everybody's experience and you know, the entire theater hates you. So if you're going, you know you're going to have a great time, then you go to the theater and you know you're going to have a great experience. But if you can't have that, if that 
doesn't financially make sense for you or your family's makeup doesn't make sense for you, boy, this could be really great for families, for people who have disabilities, for, I mean, it, I mean, it really could be great. I mean, it, it's a good idea and I think they're handling it properly because you're not only getting the movie in your home, you're also getting tickets to go see the movie at a theater if you want to. That's a good thing. You pay 50 bucks, you get tickets, you can see it at home and then if you like the movie, you can say, hey, friends, let's go to the theater and see it together again because it was amazing and then you go have your communal experience again. I don't know. It, there's a lot of options here, and I, I'm kind of excited about it. I think it could be a really good thing. Well, Chris, I have to say I appreciate your opinion on that <laughs> on, on a couple levels. Yours. <laughs> well, you know, Chris and Melody on my side. This is like what's this happening. Is unheard of. <laughs> but thank you for bringing up the uh, the two movie tickets thing because I forgot to mention that in the beginning. And yeah, it's like they're taking they're taking the revenue that you're paying 50 bucks like Daniel hit it on the head the 150 bucks and then 50 bucks per movie is still a little bit steep if you're only one or two people in your household who are going to go see movies that's still a little bit out of what I would consider doing to have the movie in my house what I would consider paying but you get the movie tickets and it's a sort of a Pandora model of where they're like splitting the part of the revenue out and giving it back to theaters and we can argue all day about how Pandora is actually just raking artists over the coals and not paying them enough royalties and blah, blah, blah. I thought you were talking about Pandora's box there for a second. Now I realize you're talking about the music service. No, the music like, streaming you know, service. You know, the other Pandora's kinds of media box. that we said we'd talk about that we never talk about. <laughs> well, because I think, no, but I think Chad would say this is Pandora's oh, box. It is. And There's you no would doubt. say it is. It's like Pandora's. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm, I apologize. Well, so, yeah, that was actually that was a good segue into what I was going to say next. And that's all this. Uh, this worrying and belly aching about what what this could mean for the future of movies no one seems to be considering the the good that could come out of that and that's um twofold so you have like daniel said maybe sometime it gets cheap enough to where you're dumb to go to a movie theater because you're losing money who's going to go to a movie theater then the people who really love the experience and are committed to having a good experience, not the people who are sitting there treating it like it's their living room, who are eating food loudly, who are talking during the movie, all sorts of that stuff. You're going to get the people who, much like it costs money to go to a good art gallery, the people who appreciate art go there. The people who want to enjoy it with other people who enjoy it go there. And it's not just a thing we do on Friday nights. So there's that. And then the other side of that is the budgetary allocations in Hollywood, you know, Hollywood has been kind of on its heels trying to get people into theaters over the past few years, and they've consolidated all their budgets around these giant blockbusters full of visual effects. But if what we see on, if what we start seeing is movies being released to a smaller audience because you don't have to pack a theater full of people to make a return on your investment... Maybe we start seeing a return to, you know, what, what was it, the 60s through the 80s where there were smaller budget movies that were actually, I, I don't know what this is called, a, a good story? Like, I don't, I don't remember what that is anymore. <laughs> is that foreshadowing? But maybe we could see it again. Maybe we could see it again. And that's my soapbox. So I think it's a general, in general, a good idea. I don't know if in its current realization whether it's workable. But I feel like worrying about the communal aspect of art going away is a little bit hyperbolic and i feel like it would consolidate the experience to people who really 
are committed to it, and I think that's a good thing for everyone. I, so, I agree with that, but yeah. I don't think you can I don't think you can undersell the just what we're going to do on Friday night aspect, especially for teenagers and people that are dating and families in town, because those aren't typically cinephiles necessarily. They're just people looking for something to do on a date uh, or to get together. And I, I think that's I think that's an important part of it as well. Well, but so what do you what do you mean then? Those people wouldn't go to a theater anymore. Well, I'm just saying if the what I, I don't that's my thing is if it gets cheap enough to carry out the comparison where it's you, it's too expensive to go to the theater, then what is their option? Are they going to date at home? I don't want my my son's a teenager. He better get the heck out and go somewhere else. So <laughs> I was going to say some like, parents would say the exact opposite. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. I'm just I, I'm just saying. No, I get it. But I'm just, I mean, and, and I don't know the answer here. I'm just saying if we're, if we're actually looking at a scenario where it is much more expensive to go to the theater. I don't know. Why I don't know what be. that world looks like. I really don't. I don't know yeah, why. I, I, don't, I don't know why. I don't think that would ever happen. Yeah, Josh is not saying that. I think what we're saying is is that you'd go to the theater because you choose to go to the theater, not because that's what everybody does. Um, if 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 it if if you know that you're going to go there for a specific reason because it's something that you're seeking out and wanting, rather than right. well, I, I, I want to see a movie tonight. Uh, is it something important enough to me that I want to go have a communal experience with this group of people? Sure. Then yes, I'm going to go to the theater. If I just want to sit down and watch a movie because it came out and right. it's up for an Oscar, then I'm going to sit at home well, and I'm going to watch I it. I get that. I guess my point is that the trend that we're seeing in Hollywood is that in order to get people back to the theaters, it's to make it a more luxurious, high-end experience. And so as the technology comes down and down and it's like you want to have a – leather seat and a couch and amazing sound and 40x and all this other stuff right. those prices continue to raise while these prices continue to go down so at some point i think they would meet in the middle and so i think it's a fair question to say what happens then and that's i don't think it's a worry. bad thing to, ex- to to expect to have a good experience when you go to the theater I, the, the, the the when i have a bad experience in the theater it's normally because not necessarily in fact very rarely is it because of the people in the theater for me most of the time it's because the projection is off or the sound is too low or it's just it's it's not been renovated in a long time and i'm just like i cannot believe i paid 15 bucks to sit in this theater um I, you know that that's just what it. i'm saying you know I what i mean it. like that's normally when i have a bad experience i could keep talking but we should probably <laughs> move on to the next thing i think daniel you're up with a question number two all right so this week i wanted to talk about something that i experienced as a result of our main event Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. I'm going to spoil my thoughts on the film just slightly in order to talk about this. Um, uh, so if you friend me on Facebook or, or follow me on Twitter at HowitDK, self-promotion, uh, you you might see me post a small review on whatever movies I see. So so I did just that. I saw Batman v Superman uh, over the weekend, and I posted my thoughts. My overall opinion of the film is positive, but there were I, I, I listed out some things that I didn't enjoy about the movie. There were quite a few things that I didn't enjoy. Uh, and so I posted that on Facebook. And a friend of mine goes and comments, and, and he is very much a fan of the film. And he said some pretty uh, annoying things that, that, that really uh, got under my skin. He said, uh, among other things, he said, I'll read it. Uh, I'll never understand people who pick apart every movie they see. Why even go see movies if you rarely like them? LOL. Uh, yeah, Daniel, that's you. 
Right. Yeah. That's what I, was, I, I, I rarely yeah. like movies. I guess. Um, <laughs> I think we've established you're Chris Junior. You rarely don't you, like movies. You, exactly. You hate movies so much. You're on a podcast to talk about movies. So, exactly. I mean, it's awful. So and 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 this person knows all of that. He knows uh, how <laughs> obsessed with movies I am. He and I went to to school together, studied films. So he's a troll, he, is what you're saying. Basically. Ex- well, well, that's the, that's what I wanted to investigate here. I wanted to pose a question here. Uh, I wanted to talk about what is the point of film criticism? Because this this isn't the first time this person has commented such things to me. But I, I, I find it's only on blockbuster films that he happens to like. He never, mm. you know, he didn't like Mad Max, for instance. But I don't go over and comment oh, nasty things to him uh, saying, oh, you must hate all movies because you didn't like Mad Max. No. So, that, so I wanted to investigate. What is the purpose of this? Why do people feel this way? And it's not just me. Obviously, that's a very you know, minor little thing. Um, right. Batman versus Superman currently has a 29% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, but a 73% user score. Uh, and so clearly there's, a, there's a, a difference in opinion there. And so critics actually have been, over the weekend, have been getting a lot of uh, online abuse from from fanboys you know insulting them for their opinion on a film so i just sort of wanted to pose the question what is the point of film criticism why are people taking this so seriously it should it be taken so seriously so yeah so i was just sort of i didn't guess we can go to to josh uh you know you don't like a lot of films uh do you see <laughs> do you see it's awesome uh, you're literally doing what your friend did to you isn't it ironic i really do think but it is actually true <laughs> no so but that's... it's true there so, so I'm, I'm saying, but, but Josh doesn't seem to, uh, when, when we disagree on an opinion, he doesn't, he doesn't generalize like my friend was doing. So I wanted to see Josh's opinion on this and everyone else. What do you think of, what do, what do you think the point of film criticism is? Well, for starters, I think I clearly need to say things more often, like, why do you hate everything? <laughs> Just in response to, because this, this seems to be the key. Yes. Yes. Um, it's kryptonite, so to speak. <laughs> Spoiler alert, Chris. Come on, <laughs> oh, man. sorry. I apologize. <laughs> Oof. I take a little issue with your premise that you um, said at the very end, which was that people care what critics say. I, I, don't, I don't think they do. I think film criticism is a relic of a bygone era when people read newspapers, and Roger Ebert would be very sad. Now, Roger Ebert himself just fell into film criticism. Like He could write, and they were like, oh, you could do this. And so he did, and he made a very good career out of it. But being a professional critic about anything has always struck me as one of the most useless professions that humanity has to offer. And it's a um, Milan Kundera had this thing where he used to say that when everyone in a society wants to become a writer or thinks they can become a writer or has the time to become a writer, that's when the society starts going downhill. And I feel like we have art critics and movie critics and news pundits and sports commentators. And they are some of the most useless people to society. And not not personally as people, but as a profession. Like, what good do they do us? Do I need to have someone else give me my own opinion on something because I don't have time to form it myself? No, I do not. The end. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks for listening to the screeners, everybody. Yeah, so, <laughs> so that's Josh while being so, on a podcast about movies. Yeah, yeah that, that really is my next... I mean, we are about to critique a film in a couple minutes here. I don't expect Watch. anyone to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> or to take it seriously at all. Yeah, especially not that. We're just here to have a good time. We don't get paid for this. That's there you true. go. That's definitely the true. key. Yeah. 
All right. Well, uh, I guess I I have a lot to say about that. We'll we'll move on. Chad, <laughs> Chad, what do you uh, what do you think on the subject? Well, I think that's shockingly that's a pretty pretty dire proclamation there from Josh. I don't think that criticism specifically related to film is me looking for someone to tell me my opinion. I am just passionate about film, and so I am interested in people that are good writers or directors or whatever they may be. Uh, I'm interested in how they feel about a piece of shared art that we both can participate in. So you have somebody in California that can see the same movie on the same day that I see something in Tennessee. And based on who that person is, like a Roger Ebert, who was universally regarded as probably the greatest film critic of all time, uh, I'm interested in what they think about it. So there's a line there where we can discuss or debate what is the quote-unquote value to society there. But for me, from just a, from an entertainment standpoint and, for, and from an information standpoint, I'm interested in those things. Now, as far as the specific thing related to what you brought up in this Facebook response about fanboys and, and all that kind of stuff, uh, and I don't think it's just fanboys, there's this very strange thing that has, has taken hold of the world since the advent of the internet where people can instantly communicate with each other and it's probably been there in some regard but it's it's more prevalent now or it's more <clears throat> obvious now it's this outraged culture where if you don't agree with everything that I agree with then you're stupid or you're dumb or what's wrong with you and it becomes very personal and it makes no sense everybody's mad about everything everybody is uh, offended by everything and I don't I don't understand it and it and that makes me mad that offends me so it's just a big cycle of <laughs> apostasy so it's like you know, what, do you, what do you do it's just everybody is outraged and offended by something and I think this is just a, an extension of that very thing it's like what do you mean you don't like Batman versus Superman that's that's freaking awesome I loved it you're a moron and that's the that's the level of discourse that we have now in, in this great world. So I don't really know what the answer is other than I guess I'm going to grab Josh and we're going to go live on a mountaintop somewhere with no power. <laughs> well, so, so here's the thing. I should, I should pull back a little bit of that because I just went on a tirade without explaining the other side. The other side is I appreciate people who are intelligent and who have a background in what they're talking about, which is why I like talking to you guys about movies because you're clearly passionate and knowledgeable about them. And so I appreciate having that conversation. The problem I have with pundits and critics and commentators is that it's not a conversation. Right. Like I would, I'm sure I would love to sit down with these people over lunch, the people who actually are good at it, and talk about these movies. But it's not that. It's a one-way thing. And that's what makes me feel like I'm being given an opinion that I can't do anything with. Like I can disagree with it, but not to them. And what good does that do me? Well, that's when you get on Facebook and call them an idiot. I think I've, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I've already cleared, cleared that up for you. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. All right. Uh, so, Chris, thoughts on the matter? I totally agree with Josh on the main premise here is that, that film criticism is dying. You can't support film criticism. There's no film critic-only website anymore, period. They're gone. Uh, you cannot just do film criticism. You have to be connected with something else and it's kind of something that you just ride along with. Um, so there's no real money there. And if you're a film critic, like Josh said, you've got to, you've got to have a particular set of skills and be very, very good at just focusing on that one thing and giving your opinion about it. And I think in today's society, like Chad was saying, we're used to having 
maybe maybe Josh even said that we're used to having a conversation about these things. We're used to being able to sit down and instantly be able to chat and talk with one another and actually figure these things out. And I think that's one of the things that I feel like is missing in a lot of these conversations, especially the one that you had, Daniel, is the willingness to say, I have this opinion, you have this opinion, that's cool, let's talk about it and not get upset at one another and call each other names. Let, let's let's maybe pull you a little bit my way, I pull you a little bit, uh, you know, whatever it is. We, we, so, we somehow meet <laughs> the middle, or at least we appreciate each other's, appreciate each other, and you know what I mean, about our opinion. And that's okay, and that, that's why I like doing this. This podcast, I do not consider myself a critic. I am not a professional. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, in no way, shape, or form have I studied film criticism or do I feel like I could ever esteem to that. I don't want to do that. I am a film appreciator, though. And so I, I, I love to experience film and I love to talk about it. And I feel like I learned, just like Josh was saying, a lot about movies from you guys. And that's a good thing. I think that's a communal aspect of movies. I think that's what they want us to do. Um, and so I would just say you just have to keep it civil and, and know that the filmmaker of the movie you hate is a human. The yeah. critic who wrote a piece about that movie is a human being. Now, the person who posts something on Facebook is a human being. So let's treat each other like humans. Know that we have different feelings and and, and emotions and, and backgrounds that we bring into these movies and and appreciate the fact that that's the point is that that's why movies are so awesome is that you can sit in the same theater watch the same thing you hate it i love it wow wow there is no such thing as a bad movie or a good movie there's just something that you experienced and you had a moment and you said this is what i felt that's incredible. What a cool thing. That's art. So for me, like, that's why I love this thing. I, I love to talk about it, but let's remember we're humans. And we just had a person, a, a good friend of ours, write a movie. And you realize when you're close to that person and they do something, you realize that criticism can be awful because there are humans behind it. And if you're not careful with what you say and how you say it, you can sometimes damage and hurt people who are trying to do something good. I know I'm going on a huge tirade there and I'm sorry, but I just feel like let's appreciate things. Let's make each other better. You can hate it. I can love it. And we can still be friends. Well, everything you said is stupid. Chris. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Chad. That's why I love you. That was a great, that was a good answer. That's a, actually, that answered my question very well. Uh, you should Mel, know that I'm have... going to play some dramatic music underneath that. Just so you know, it's going to be there. Do the, the, the Air Force One, um, you know, like uh, You score don't get to pick your own music. He's been Chris. storing this in his head for years. I have, man. That was, I, I felt it. I felt it. All right, I'm Melody. <laughs> Melody, do you have anything to add to this? I mean, that was very eloquent. I'm not sure how much more I can add, but I do agree with in the context of of having the conversation. And I remember back when podcasts were first a thing, like Chris and I would listen to the Ebert and Roper podcast, which I mean, obviously they're professional critics and they would review films and that's like probably the first podcast that we ever listened yeah. to and we would listen to it together and the value in listening to it wasn't necessarily to just hear what they said. It was to talk about it afterwards and to be like, well, that was an interesting take on that or what in the world were they thinking about that? And we never took it as like the law, like, oh, well, Ebert said this is a great movie, so that means it's a great movie. It was just like a place for a discussion with with someone who has like good context of all the pieces that went into making the film, of all the other films that are, you know, out right now in similar fashion. And like Josh was saying, they they have currency for the conversation above the average person. And that that's why you want to listen to them. But that's not necessarily why you want to agree with them. And so 
just like you guys have said, the, the conversation, I think for those of us that love film is what's fun. And, and that's why we do this podcast is because it's fun. It's because we, we like to talk about the art. So I agree with everything you've said. And I hope that our listeners not only just listen, but have their own conversations about what we think too. Yeah, I, th- I think you guys summed it up really well. I don't have much else to add. Uh, that's that's sort of how this thing wrapped up. Is uh, this person and I talked afterward, uh, messaged it a little bit on Facebook, and um, that's basically what I was saying to to him: is dude, this is just my opinion. That's great that he loved that movie. That and that's genuinely great um, because to love a, a piece of art that passionately is an awesome thing. But opinions are just that they are opinions they're not fact uh, uh, one of you said there are no good movies there are no bad movies that's exactly right if you disagree with somebody else's opinion move on that's it and so it, find critics that you like and that you generally agree with if you if you care but if you don't like critics don't read critics it's as simple as that or do the opposite of that and actually learn well yeah. <laughs> that's true too i'd like to see how this premise holds up when we get to our review i was about to say i'm gonna now tell you how stupid you guys are for how you feel about batman versus you don't know how we do feel. it in conversation with each other uh-huh. all right well uh, on that note we will move into our main event welcome to the main event all right guys our main event for this week is batman v superman dawn of justice Mr. Wayne, Clark Kent, Daily Planet. What's your position on the Bat Vigilante in Gotham? Civil liberties are being trampled on in your city. People living in fear. He thinks he's above the law. The Daily Planet criticizing those who think they're above the laws. Oh, hypocritical. What'd you say? Considering every time your hero saves a cat out of a tree, you read a puff piece editorial about an alien who could burn the whole place down. Most of the world doesn't share your opinion, Mr. Wayne. Maybe it's Gotham City and me. We just have a bad history with freaks dressed like clowns. Boys! Hmm. Bruce Wayne meets Clark Kent. Ah, I love it. I love bringing people together. How are we? Lex. Hi, hello. Lex, it is a pleasure. Ow, wow, that is a good grip. You should not pick a fight with this person. Time you learned what it means to be a man. Stay down! If I wanted it, you'd be dead already. If man won't kill God, the devil will do it. What have you done? She with you? I thought yours was you. Fearing the actions of Superman are left unchecked, Batman takes on the Man of Steel while the world wrestles with what kind of hero it really needs. All right, guys, this movie opened up to a huge box office over the weekend. Uh, It has some amazing numbers. Took in a record-breaking $170 million domestically. Did, what, over 300? No, 442 million globally. It's insane. Um, It's a huge, huge success as far as box office goes. However, as we were talking about previously, it's Rotten Tomato score and cinema scores across the board have not been that forgiving. It's got a 20 percent, which places it worse than a lot of other pretty bad movies that we're all familiar with. I think that's uh, it, it's just incredible how many bad, how much bad. 
press this movie has gotten and how well it's actually doing at the box office. So I can't wait to dive deep into talking about this movie. I've got a lot to say. I'm going to go last, though, because <laughs> I think a lot of you are probably going to say the same things I am, but we'll see. So, Melody, what did you think of Batman v Superman? Well, I did not want to see this movie at all. Um, as much as I love Superman and as much as I love Batman, I'm just, I was not a fan of the premise of this film, okay? So we'll start with that. Um, and I have not re- read any of the reviews. I know it's, it's a very polarizing film. There are those that love it. There are those that hate it, etc. Okay, but I've not read any reviews because I just don't need my heart to be filled with more hate. There were obviously plenty of things to dislike about this film, and I'm sure that we can spend as much time as you want laying them all out, right? There were, there were ridiculous scenes in, in the movie that made no sense and were just very strange and off the plot and, and pointless. There was way, way, way too much of a story crammed into too little of a space. In my mind, this could have been at least two different movies. Uh, some of the performances were very strange and confusing to me. I'm about to shock myself and our listeners with a bit of an embarrassing admission. I I did not hate this movie. I didn't I didn't hate it. In fact, I I will say that I liked it, okay? I'm not sure how that's possible, but I was watching the movie and I'm telling myself like I know I should be hating this right now because of XYZ, all of these things that aren't great. But I don't know, maybe it's just that I can't hate a Superman or a Batman movie because I love both of them so much. Or maybe it's because the main tension between them made more sense to me than I thought it would. But I have to say, like, without without doing too much into spoilers right now, like, the parts of this movie that I anticipated hating the most, which would be the tension between the two of them and the action, because... Usually in films like this, I can take, you know, once it gets to the last, like, third, the final third of the movie where it's just, you know, cities are exploding, like, that's what they do, and there's just crazy action. Usually I can take, like, half of that, and then the second half of that last act, I'm just, like, my mind is numb, and I don't care what's happening on the screen. I'm just completely numb. I don't know what happened in this movie. Maybe it was the very lovely theater that we were seeing it in, Mm -hmm. and the great food that we were eating along with it, or something. I don't know. But I wasn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't go numb. I was actually, I actually cared. i sorry, but I did. And um, so the things that I anticipated hating, the action and the tension between the two of them, actually were not the things that I hated about this movie. And so for that reason, because I was so surprised that I didn't hate those things, I liked this movie. Now, I'm sure the more we talk about it, the more I will realize all of the reasons why. I, I already know. I already know all the reasons why it's not good. But I also think there are reasons that it is good. And I also think that the questions that it asks are intriguing. I'm not sure it asked them the greatest, in the greatest way. But I was intrigued by the questions. And I liked this movie. <laughs> awesome. All right. Okay. <laughs> that was... Uh... There was no apology there, but um, it was a little... Yeah, no, awesome. It's okay, kind of great. an embarrassed It was a little apology. Yeah. Whatever, whatever, little, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Josh. What did you think of BVS? Just... Just suck it up, Melody. Hold your nose and vote for the movie. Practice for the election. Practice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. 
I I love a bargain. This movie is two and a half hours long, <laughs> but you you get at least at least four hours worth of frames in this movie. Any scene where they could film in super slow motion, they were all over that. And like more power to them, more power to them because I'm sick of getting only 24 measly frames for every second <laughs> is shot. <laughs> sick of it. Okay, so the movie itself was uneven. It switched back and forth between taking itself just way too seriously and then going to the other extreme and saying, we can do the snarky Marvel character thing too, with at least with our sidekicks. And the score got in the way. And, it, you know, parts of it were a train wreck, but parts of it were, you know, tolerable. I'm a little intrigued just from a, from a business standpoint. I don't think it's a, a spoiler to, to say this, that we've come to expect from our superhero movies cameos from newscasters and stuff talking about the destruction or talking about what's happening, whatever it may be. And I don't know why everyone offers Nancy Grace a role in these movies, but they do. Um, so DC has followed down the Marvel road of bringing in like you know, CNN people or, and MSNBC and what have you. And so we used to be able to, and we still do, talk about the Marvel Universe and the DC Universe because it used to be because all the bit players, like those newscaster people, were generic and fictional. But now we have both of these companies grounding their comic universes in our universe. And it just makes you wonder, if it hasn't been announced already, if there's going to be some kind of mashup or meeting or clash in the future. Wouldn't that be exciting? Avengers and Batman... Okay. Um, <laughs> no, but at the end of the day, finishing out the non-spoiler section, I do have a soft spot for movies that even mention the problem of evil. Oh, even yes. if that's right. Even if the rest of the movie takes turns, you know, being plodding, wooden, and sloppy. I got, I kind of got lost in my own philosophical reflections toward the end of the movie, completely independent of what was actually happening on the screen. So it gets points for that. I'm inclined to agree with most of the critics overall. Um, who are panning this movie. I, I did read a, one or two just lazy criticisms of the movie, though, so they can go jump off a bridge. Um, <laughs> the movie has a hard time deciding what it is. It treats exposition sloppily and has doesn't really have anything unique to offer um, if you're not inclined to take a hold of those the questions that it does bring up and think about them yourself. Overall, you're going to see it if you want to see a superhero movie anyways. It, it is that. Let's be honest. If it, you're listening to this podcast, you've already seen this movie. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's probably true. Absolutely. <laughs> because if you're, yeah. Or you're never going to see it. It could, right. be, could totally. be that. Absolutely. That, 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 that is true. There are probably people in those two camps. So I, I guess for the reflection that I had on my own in the, in the theater, I had to, I have to give the movie overall a, uh, Meh. I can't totally disregard it because it had its interesting things, but so you wouldn't I, say twenty nine percent, huh? Or would you? Uh, closer to fifty? Yeah, closer yeah, fifty. Gotcha. Yeah, totally. Okay, Daniel, uh, why don't you go ahead and read your Facebook post that caused <laughs> all of this? No, I'm just joking. What did you think of the film? Well, yeah, I already gave my my overall opinions. It's it's fine. The movie is fine overall. I I I guess I would say I did enjoy it more than I didn't uh it was uh, i came out more happy than annoyed or angry uh it's not bad 
Uh, we'll start with the things I enjoyed. Batman was fantastic. Ben Affleck was great as Batman. I always thought he would be. I never understood the internet outrage about that. Wonder Woman was was great as well. And I liked the world building. Obviously, it was it was heavy handed, and you know they they crammed all so many characters into in the movie. But I, I liked seeing some some of the lead in for the Justice League movie and all that. So um, that was enjoyable. Okay, but the things I didn't like, and there were a lot. It was messy. It was all over the place. I, I, just like Josh said, it has nothing unique to offer. Let's be realistic here. It's super serious. Like, oh, so serious. Um, and there were just a lot of odd scenes that completely took me out of the movie because they didn't yep. make any sense at all. Like, I'm, maybe they make sense to comic book fans, but I don't read comic books, but I watch a lot of movies, okay? So you have to sort of please both camps there, and it just didn't make a lick of sense. And they didn't, like, explain it later on in the movie or anything like that. They just... I'd, lo- I'd love to hear what those are. Absolutely. Uh, not now, but what? when we get into spoilers. You know what they are. Yeah, I've experienced about them the whole yeah, way for home. for real, man. Hang on it's a so second. Obvious. So anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that in spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, Good Lord, everybody jumping on my back. I'm just saying I'm teasing our audience to let them know we're going to discuss that. <laughs> You're wrong, Chris. You're Gosh. wrong and you should feel bad. Yes. Oh, holy cow. Hey. Go jump off a bridge. That's it. Jump <laughs> off a bridge. <laughs> 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 but uh, but anyway, uh, uh, more stuff I didn't like. I have more things to mention. Uh, the movie did not look very good. It was just uh, like Josh was saying about the slow mo and just it was loaded with with vis effects. And the freaking film opens so badly I couldn't even believe my eyes. the whole, The first five minutes of this movie are so bad. I, I, I was I was in shock. I was tur- I turned to my wife and I said I cannot believe what I'm watching right now. The whole opening sequence is done so badly uh, that it was offensive. It's going to be a spoiler to to talk about the beginning. of Yeah, the, the, the opening with uh, Bruce's Bruce Wayne's parents. Uh, they get killed. Oh, yeah, that everyone, was so bad. Uh, it was so, <laughs> so bad. I couldn't I believe it. I forgot <laughs> that was my biggest rant. Yeah, I really couldn't was. believe it. And just the way it, everything, the way it was done, the way it yes. looked, especially the fact uh, that it was there. Yeah, yes? it was just... Why do we have to see that? that? So that was the worst part of the movie. It really did go uphill from there. Um, that was the absolute worst part of the movie to me. And, mm. But it just started really badly. So, yeah, I mean, overall, it's uh, it's not a bad movie. It's really not. It's just sort of fine. I, uh, Josh summed it up nicely by saying, meh. It's, I don't feel like I wasted my time, but... You know, I'm not in love with this by any means. So it's it's fine. And that's as good of a criticism as I can give. All right. Okay. So um, we're going to move to Chad now. Now, you are notoriously, we talked about Man of Steel. And Superman for you, Chad, is a pretty important character, yes? No doubt about it. So Man of Steel, what were your feelings of Man of Steel again? Remind our audience. Because this is kind of a supposed to be a direct sequel to that and then maybe give us our thoughts on initial Superman. tremendous disappointment followed by gradual acceptance uh, <laughs> which morphed into uh, not the worst thing that I've ever gotcha. seen alright okay so Stages this movie yes, here we go exactly right well I'm going to keep this brief I'm going to try to keep it brief so that we can get into spoilers and talk about some specifics I just love the character I love the character of Batman too I mean it's not but Superman, uh, I don't know if it was just the time in my life. One of the first memories I have of seeing a superhero was the original Superman and began collecting comics and read every book I could get and just fell in love with Superman as a character. And so I'm predisposed to like anything that has the Man of Steel in it. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist. <laughs> I went into this 
hoping to love it. I mean, I really did. I wanted to love it. And even when the movie was over, I saw it with a friend of mine. And after it was over, uh, he immediately began to talk. And he listens to the podcast. Uh, he immediately began to talk about he really felt like he liked it a lot. And and I, I was I told him there I had to, I needed to process it. I needed to think about it. So what I'm going to do is be very brief here. And I'm going to talk about some of the things that I liked about it. And then I'll talk about some things I didn't like about it. And then we can get into spoilers. But some of the things that I did like about it. It has the best Batman fight sequence I've ever seen in Batman cinematic history. Uh, without talking specifically about where it happened, there's a hand-to-hand combat scene that does not involve Superman uh, that is fantastic. That is exactly yes. how Batman fights in the comic books, and it's the first time I've ever seen it happen on screen in a way that really represented the comics, and it was fantastic. also agree that Ben Affleck, uh, very much like Daniel, I'm a I'm a Ben Affleck fan. I thought he would be a great Batman, and he absolutely was. He was fantastic. I thought Wonder Woman was excellent as far as just the actual battle scenes concerning Wonder Woman. I feel like they kind of wasted her character overall, as they pretty much they actually sideline almost every feminine character, female character in the in the whole movie. But whatever, that's a whole other thing. And I really enjoyed the the secondary opening scene, not the not the Batman thing, but the opening scene, which is the reverse perspective of the end of Man of Steel, I thought was fantastic. I thought it was really great, and it gave me great hope. I was like, this movie is going to be awesome, and it was not, not at all. It just went downhill for me from there. Specifically, there's a couple things. You know, Josh talked about movies that ask the question about evil, and I think... I think that exploring the ideological differences between these two characters could be a fascinating story, but this is not it because they make these characters essentially the same. And and it all comes down to me for tone. And this is the last thing I'm going to say, and then we can we can get into spoilers. Okay? No, 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 we're not doing that. This tone, the t- this is a fundamental misunderstanding of the character of Superman is what it boils down to. The, everybody is mad. Everybody is angry. Everybody is serious. In this movie, Superman is smug and narcissistic. Even when Superman is rescuing people, like which was missing from the stuff in, in The Man of Steel, they shoot it in such a way to accentuate the undertone of this unhealthy hero worship, which is an interesting question, but not explored in an interesting way. And the fact of the matter is, Superman is hope. He's the embodiment of good. He's someone with godlike powers who still chooses to serve. And this whole movie is so dour. It's like it adds a weight to the film that not only makes it less fun for me, and let me just say this, in my opinion... Uh, it makes it less fun. It also makes it less entertaining. And this is especially bothersome because it's clear to me that Snyder is still trying to have this same kind of like moral provocation that Nolan does in his Batman films, but he doesn't have the chops to pull it off. I mean, it uses like terrorist bombings for jump scares. It has human trafficking, child abuse, murder. At one point, even Superman himself says, no one stays good in this world. It's beyond pessimistic. It's literally fatalistic. And it just drives me insane because somewhere in the kernel of this is a wonderful story with unique with questions that could be explored with a deft hand. But Snyder, for me, is the new Michael Bay. He just, he can't, he's just like a child Wow. Um, he is. He's a child with all these interesting questions, <sighs> but he has no idea how to explore them. 
world. Now, okay. I appreciate you, Chad. Now that wow. that has been said, now that has been said, it is impossible for me not to watch this movie and like parts of it because I love Superman and I love Batman. I love what they stand for and I love comics and I've collected them. So there's a nostalgic piece of me that walked out and said, yeah, there were moments of that where I was entertained or I was thrilled. But overall, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And let me say this. It's, it should be impossible to make a movie with Batman and Superman in it boring. But the first hour of this movie is downright boring because oh. Snyder has no idea how to put together a story that has any kind of narrative sense. It's just random cuts back and forth to weird things that make no sense. And I'm not talking about what Daniel was talking about. I just mean the general narrative through line. It's, I, it's unbelievable. So anyway, I'm going to, okay. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Okay. Chris, well, it's all you. Tell me. Yes. Great this should people see it and should they see it in the theater? Hang on, hang on. Hey, we'll get <laughs> there. We'll get there. We'll get there. So hang on. So your team, Superman, I'm team Batman. Batman is my jam. Uh, and this film is really dense. I think that is my biggest criticism of this movie is that it had too much in it but i'm a geek i read comics for me i was loving those moments but i knew as i was watching them that general audiences were not going to be enjoying this Um, but i could have sat in that theater and continued to watch and there is supposed to be another half an hour in the director's cut that's going to be coming out on blu-ray and dvd that'll make this movie an r-rated film and uh, i can't wait to see that because i have a feeling i know where they're headed with it setting up a lot of stuff for uh, suicide squad so let's just let me give you real brief of what I think, and then we'll jump straight into spoilers. There's no doubt that they're trying to reinvent this DC universe. They're trying to establish the Justice League, and this movie is that template for them. And I loved, you know, Christopher Nolan's Batman movies. I really, really did. But in no way, shape, or form could Superman exist in Nolan's universe. That was a grounded, gritty I would I would call those films more dour than this movie. No way. Um, because there was, in, in my opinion, it, it, what they're trying to do there is give us a realistic, more mafia, almost like a, a heat type stuff, but elevated, obviously, where, where they've got these really extreme characters. And he was trying to say something. Else. And I love those movies. Don't get me wrong. I think The Dark Knight is one of the finest movies of all time, period. Full stop. I absolutely agree with that. But they, you couldn't have... Poison Ivy um, in those movies. You couldn't have the more fantastical elements of the Batman DC universe. And so what they're trying to do here is infuse those things into a film franchise and, and, and be able to justify and, and have us accept more fantastical stuff, which is what we're doing, obviously, because Superman, the moment you introduce that character, all bets are off because he's an alien all kinds of crazy stuff. You put Batman there, you know, it, it, it obviously is, 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 is more fantastical uh, than any of the other Batmans uh, have been, but make no mistake. This movie is a Batman movie. It, it does not do. You are seeing almost everything through Batman's perspective. And that's why I liked it. And I think the, 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 the scenes that you're seeing, you're, you're, you're pointing out um, of him uh, being the hero worship and all that, that's all from Batman's perspective that that's how he sees him uh there's a voiceover happening uh when those scenes are being shown it to me it's trying to show you why bruce wayne feels the way he does 
about the Superman character. I think Ben Affleck is the best Batman Bruce Wayne we've ever had on screen. I agree with um, that. He, is, he, he, play, he plays Bruce Wayne pitch perfect, and he plays Batman pitch perfect. Um, it's really good, and he's an older He's got a perspective. He's already beaten the Joker. He's already, um, you know, fought with the Riddler. He's already done these things. He's already lost uh, a Robin. Uh, you know, a, a Robin uh, died when when um, Wayne Manor blew up. So you know, he's got this long history. And so when Superman shows up and destroys his family, some of the friends he has in this building at the beginning of the movie, he goes from, as Alfred says. He, he goes to cruel. Uh, he suddenly turns into a Batman that we've not seen before in cinema. And I love that. It is what happens when Batman decides to give up on a lot of the things that uh, he believes in. It, it's that he lost sight of his parents dying and why he was Batman to begin with and what he stood for. And that's why that opening sequence I felt like did a great job of to remind us why Batman does what he does. And there's this wonderful bookend of the beginning of this movie and the end of this movie. And I'm going to get into that in spoilers, but there's this wonderful through line that I feel like connects this movie together in an amazing way. Uh, but you know, anyway, I, I, maybe I'm reading too far into it, but we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. I think Batman, um, the animated series was spectacular and this feels like that. And you know, I, like you said, Chad, the 20 minutes, the opening 20 minutes of this movie where we're seeing a different angle on Man of Steel's events from Bruce Wayne's character. It was great. The nods um, to the other Justice League folks were silly and dumb, and I could have done without those, except for one, and I'll talk about those in spoilers. But overall, I, I really had a good time with this movie. I felt like, again, as, as a comic book fan, maybe I'm just bringing a backstory that I didn't realize I was bringing into it. But man, I, I was like, yeah, yes, yes. I found myself agreeing. And I think Zack Snyder is a geek. And I think he f- sees the movie, the, the films in a geek way. He makes movies for himself. And maybe he doesn't quite realize that he's leaving some of the audience behind. And uh, you see that with like The Watchmen. I think The Watchmen is a really well-made movie. It, it looks great. It's really true to the comic book. But people don't like that movie for some reason. But it is The Watchmen. It's incredible. I like that. And that's movie. what he's done here. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. But that's what he's done here, though. He, he, he's, he's taken a lot of them. Honestly, a lot of the scenes in this movie are lifted directly from the comics. Um, there's not, not the story itself, but the actual like scenes and dialogue and motivation and all that stuff. A lot of this stuff happens. Um, and so for me, I was having a blast. I loved it. Um, and, uh, I had a good time. I, I really did. And I can't wait to discuss some things further with you guys and spoilers. So, um, Melody, should people go see this movie in the theater? I think like you said before, if people were going to see this movie, they probably already seen it. I think if you're not already excited or interested to see this movie then maybe not like maybe you don't need to see it it (laughs) there's a lot there's a lot happening in this movie i can't promise you're gonna like it or not like it but everyone else is seeing it apparently it's making tons of money so sure go see it all right josh how about you man uh look same same answer as all my other superhero movies i i feel like this might have had some narrative problems that other superhero movies didn't suffer as much from, but they all kind of do. So if you like superhero movies, sure, go see it and go see it in the theater because it's that kind of movie. So whatever. Daniel? Yeah, yeah, you won't. 
I, I really don't think you'll come out of the movie mad. You, I think you'll enjoy yourself if you go see it, even if you don't love it. Uh, it's, you know, it's fun to see things smashing on the big screen. <laughs> Chad, how about you, man? Today is the day, folks. It finally happened where Josh recommended you go to the theater to see a movie. <laughs> That's, true. That's happened before. I've, has, I've specifically said if where you want to see said, it, fine, go. Where, where you said it, but then I said don't. That's the, that's the thing. Boom. That's the kicker. I don't think that you should see this movie in the theater. It doesn't matter that I said that because the entire world is seeing it uh, as is half a billion dollars in four days. Uh, this movie's fine. It's fine. People are going to go see it, and I understand that I have, a, I have an issue because of my uh, affinity for the character and for decent storytelling and directing and, <laughs> and a script that wasn't written by a third grader. And one movie oh instead gosh. of six movies and visual effects that don't all look like anyway, whatever. All right. So um, I would all say right. in this scenario that uh, if you're on the fence, because if most people have already seen it, but if you're on the fence, I don't think it's worth seeing in the theater at all. Uh, the answer is you should absolutely go see this movie in the theater. It'll be there's nothing better you could go see and spend a couple bucks and have a more thrilling time. You could go see 10 Cloverfield Lane. Time. It's a lot better. Okay, oh. uh, yes, you could go see Ten Cloverfield. But you've already seen Ten Cloverfield. Yeah, but you just said there's nothing better, so. Uh, it's not better. Bang for your buck. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and get into spoilers. First rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got them? There's so many places it would never occur to a hawk to hide. However, the reason the Führers brought me off my house in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware of what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. And in the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. And he's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. Then I woke up. All right, Daniel. Tell me, what are these scenes that uh, that bothered you? Uh, okay, so well, they they didn't bother me. I thought they were very they were interesting, but then they were never ever explained at all. So they were just random. Right. So um, the the scene in the desert that yeah. was looked like Batman and Mad Max. So I was super into it, but yeah. then it was completely random uh, so i didn't understand that when the flash came from what seems to be the future and saying i was right or whatever he said uh no, what was that that, that was a flash. i can okay. explain See, all i didn't even that. know who it's that easy. was yeah, it, yeah no so here's the thing i i believe that these things can be explained what i'm saying is they weren't oh uh, no uh, you're right so I, that made me that i was just confused well, okay but here's the deal daniel and i, I think you have to get <laughs> You have to give them a little bit of leeway because it's not like Marvel's not doing this exact same thing. Um, The the name of this movie is Dawn of Justice. Uh, And so they're obviously setting up for part two. And I think that's that's the most frustrating thing. And I think that's the reason why people, you know, walk away and say, well, I didn't make a whole lot of sense. But what they're trying to do is is put little seeds in the ground and then in part two or part three, come back to those things and say, yeah. ah, remember when we did this then? It yeah. actually meant something. You didn't know then, but it, now it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but the things that they, they planted see, plenty of seeds that, that were easy for their audience to digest. Sure. Like, who don't know, like uh, looking at the, the heroes on the computer. Uh, that was that was heavy-handed whatever, but it, it was, was like, oh, okay, I know, <laughs> I know those superheroes. Okay, that's what's going to happen later. Okay, so they can do that without confusing people who don't read comic books. I have books. to say, 
the my the the part where my heart dropped and I was like, oh my gosh, this is when Aquaman showed up. That was one of the like that was weird. I was like, this doesn't look good. And I didn't even know who the other guy was, Cyborg or something. Cyborg. I don't know what? Well, I, I just disagree. I don't think Marvel Marvel plants tons of seeds like that, but they they either do it in an Easter eggy sort of way. So if you they don't make it a whole scene. They don't make whole entire scenes, multiple scenes in one movie that only comic book readers are going to understand. Did you, because did you, let's be realistic about the audience of this film. That's right. 75% or more uh, of the audience of this film doesn't read comic books. And so you can't make... It's not true. Uh, Marvel it is, does it all the... Absolutely. It is absolutely true. true. Mar- and I, no, no, no. no. Not, not that statistic. I'm saying... I'm, you're saying that Marvel doesn't do this exact same. If you, go, if no, you no, look no. at he, Avengers I, Age of Ultron... I understood every scene in the yeah, movie. Yeah, that's, that's the point here, is that Marvel definitely does it, but they... It doesn't completely jar you so that you're like, I have no idea what's happening, and yeah, then do it, and field. then do it again yeah. three other times. So if you guys yeah. don't want to be spoiled about what these mean, you should to say that now, because what they're do you do you care? Because what they actually mean is they're planting the big bad for the Justice League, which is Darkseid, and so the whole point there is that. They're having to, they're having to lay all this groundwork for the for the next two movies, and and it's all this is tied into the big bad without getting into the specifics, and so the problem is Zack Snyder because he has no idea in this movie how to make a tight cohesive narrative, and so it is God, people are on. complaining. No, 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 about, no, 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 no. This this movie is two and a half hours long, dude, and it, and it feels like six movies in two and a half hours. Right. right. So there that, are so, and the way he does it is that it literally jumps from. I mean, there's like you're going along. And then, like you're an hour and a half in, and then all of a sudden you have this random scene with with Clark with his mom in Kansas, and it just comes out of left field. Yeah. It's just there's so many times where it's just one scene to the next to the next, and none of it flows together in a way that makes narrative momentum and it doesn't make any sense. And so, yeah. if you don't, I can't imagine watching this movie with no understanding of the comic history. I would be like, I very much probably like Daniel, like, what is going on? That was what me, else? Chad. Hang on, yeah, what else? I mean, I understood what they were doing because Marvel's done it a thousand times. It was just like, I don't know who these people are. I know yeah. who Wonder Woman is, and I know who Aquaman is, but. So what else confused you? I'm, I'm just because because obviously that's what I'm, I, I'm I'm curious myself because I feel like I'm. Go ahead. It was just those. It was just those. For me, it was just those scenes right. because they were entire. It wasn't just an Easter egg. It wasn't just like they mentioned the name of a character in passing. It was sure. entire scenes. I mean, I, I, maybe ten minutes of the movie uh, were were these scenes that. Connected to the narrative in no way, shape, or form. Not even a little. See, no, that I, I don't just. I don't, I don't think was that's... a dream and a vision. Yeah, it was. Weird. Hang on though. Like, hang on though. But it, I agree explain. with you. It was long, but didn't because no, honestly, no, I didn't. I didn't object to the length. I objected to they didn't connect to the story at all. Explain I, to me how did the desert scene so, tie into the story that we saw? So I, I, I wasn't sure um, about the dark side um, connection. Okay, but what I was sure of, and what I came out and Melody asked me when we walked out, that was interesting. But what what was that all about? And the only thing I came out when I thought it was actually pretty good, and and I think it makes sense, is that Bruce Wayne had fallen asleep. Right, he is consumed and worried about Superman. Right, and so he goes to the nth degree. What is the worst possible future? What what am I fighting for? Why am I doing this? And he thinks that if he lets Superman go unchecked, 
that he'll be this awful dictator that'll take over the world. He'll ha- Batman will be the last person to try and fight him to take him down in power. And so he has this nightmare about him trying to fight this e- the evil version of Superman that he believes Superman will become. And it's true that that is what happens. I don't want to get into sport, but so it, if that's the case, if it's just a dream sequence, I mean, like if that's how we we pretend that it makes sense in the narrative, yeah. that's even worse. I'd rather it just be random than a than a freaking nightmare. So you wouldn't want to be you wouldn't want to be informed on what Bruce Wayne is thinking and why he hates Superman and and no, because I understood that already. It was that's what the entire serious film had been about already. I didn't need right. a dream sequence to tell me, and, and that's I, just why it was it was annoying because it I, I didn't need a dream se- sequence. That's why I didn't think of it as a dream, dream sequence because. It, it it was just completely unnecessary, so I knew it had to be something other than that. I don't I don't disagree with you, other than the fact. So here's the deal: like I, I constantly struggle, and I feel <laughs> I know you guys are gonna make fun of me for this, but Zack Snyder loves this stuff, and he thinks it looks cool. <laughs> He's wrong, <laughs> and he, I I oh I think it does. I I loved it. I think it was awesome to see Superman. Slam down into the ground, and his fighters get on their knee, and he like tears through four guys with his laser eyes. He Superman's powerful, and if he decided to be evil, that would be bad. It would be a bad, bad thing. Yeah, um, and there's and an so, amazing story to be told around that idea. I know. I agree with you. I'm just saying, he, just not from I, Zack Snyder. I don't disagree with you that it was too much. That was my f- first thing that I said. That it is too dense. Uh, and I agree with you, they could have cut this sequence out and the movie would have been just as good. However, I'm a geek and I love to see those cool things. And so I just thought it was a cool bonus. That's all I'm saying. So, so. the dream made sense to me and as a fantasy of the worst thing that Superman could do. Yeah. But then what really drove me nuts, I was like, okay, this is a dream, whatever. He's re- His subconscious is, re- is reinforcing himself on why he wants to fight Superman. Right. But then it was a dream inside a dream, and that is like the capital sin you can commit. Right. In well, I think arts. we're going to see that. I forgot about that. Here's the thing. I think Full we're going to see that. Sins. Again, That's we're going to see. Okay. Well, I'm not going to defend it. Never mind. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you that I didn't. I didn't like the placement of that. I'm not going to. I'm not going to defend the fact that I feel like the scene was necessary to the plot. It definitely wasn't. But the flash sequence, I really liked. Um, because what that does is it, it points to me that they at least know where they're going with justice league. Those two scenes are connected. I I don't want to go into detail about why they're connected. Um, but just to say that it makes sense that they showed the worst possible Superman and then flash comes in and says, Lois Lane is the key. Lois Lane is the key. And then it it makes sense, but I I don't want to give that away. And again, again, it's just a cool thing that he thought it would be fun to put in the movie and it just confuses people. And I get yeah, it. Yeah, that, that, that brings up the actual question I have about sure. that sequence. Yeah. Is that in the context of the movie, without knowing anything about Darkseid or whatever, yeah. I interpreted that Flash sequence as saying, you need to use Lois Lane as leverage in this fight against Superman. Yeah. And that was completely Good. not what happened. And yeah. it was, it's, a, it's a total red herring as right. far as the movie's concerned. Exactly. And, that, and that's exactly what it's supposed to be, is that you're supposed to think that, this con, this, that that moment is a message for now. But then you hear Flash say, oh, I'm too early. Um, and then it's true. it disappeared. So 
you're supposed to question as to is that for him now? You're, you're, again, this is why I'm saying all this is from Batman's perspective, guys. I, and I know that it's confusing and I agree and I understand, but it's Batman's perspective. And so what they're trying to do is this regular human guy who had his parents die and who decided he was going to do something and make that a powerful thing and stand for something has now gotten to the point where he feels like he's he he's no longer effective Superman he can do nothing about and so now he's he's on this like crazy like torturing people and branding them and doing all this insane stuff he's gone off the deep end you know what i mean like he's he he no longer feel like he's effective as effective as this superman character he's afraid that all that stuff that he's done and so he's gone astray and i feel like that's what we're coming to is is that at the end of this movie you see batman bruce wayne goes through this arc he he goes from being a gruff, aggressive, violent, horrible hero. And at the end, he realizes what, again, another funeral, not, not his parents, but now Superman's funeral, what, what it means to give a life, to have a life taken, and then why he fights for what he's fighting for. And then deciding, okay, we need to do something about this. And Batman now is the guy who's going to go out and collect and try and convince Aquaman and Wonder Woman and Cyborg and Flash to join this team to defend against whatever Lex is talking about. Uh, I find yeah. that to be fascinating, and, but anyway. And Lex is another thing. I've I was just hated. Say, yeah, he was bad. So yeah. bad. It's been said a million times, but he's playing the Joker. He's literally playing the oh, Joker. Come on. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Yes, he's, he is. He's, he's insane. He's manic. He's silly. It's not. That's not... And I'm He's, up for interpretation on a character, but we've seen that character a hundred times. It's like you literally just saw Jared Leto in the trailer for Suicide Squad. And it's like that's the same guy, no same it's character. Not. It no. absolutely is. He's no. it is totally is. He's like tapping his head. Ooh, he's crazy. Come on. That's not like. No, no, no. He, if he's not crazy that way. He, he's more. And I don't. I don't want to talk any more about the, that stuff. But what I'm saying is, is like Lex Luthor's character. I agree. He okay. He overacted. I agree. But I think. I think his his performance, if he would have reined it in just a little bit, is not the Joker. He, he's not he is not a wanting to destroy the world and and Talk burn it all motivations. down. We're talking about how he talks, how he interacts, his mannerisms. Oh, come on, just, every every villain is that way, though. I mean, you look what? at every single what super. What are you talking what? about? No, no you're not. Tell me a super villain that doesn't have quirks. It's not about. That, it's not about having quirks. It's about having these exact quirks. The the issue is. He <laughs> he trails off. He he's awkward. I thought that was I thought that was hilarious. He's more he's than a, awkward. He's like, a billionaire. People are there to see him, and he gets up and he com- completely destroys that speech. He's not intimidating. Like I thought that was a cool view of this character. The Joker is intimidating. When the Joker walked into a room in the Dark Knight or any other form of the Joker, he's intimidating. You walk in and you fear him. You don't fear Lex. <laughs> hey, so Chad, your you, that scene of Batman that you were you, you really loved was that when he rescued Martha? When he rescues Martha, fantastic. That was amazing. Fantastic. That was the best scene in the movie by a mile. By a mile. It's by almost a pa- panel for panel of uh, the Dark Knight Returns. It's a Frank Miller book, almost frame for frame. That was an amazing, amazing scene. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was really, really great. <laughs> Batman stuff in this movie is spectacular. I wish it would have been a Batman movie, and we would have had. Yeah. Literally, I wish it would have been Batman 
the first 20 minutes where he is Superman's like distant and we don't never really see Superman. We I just agree. hear about what he, it would have been a much better movie. I agree. I, I, I do agree with that. I think we should have been yeah. focused. And I know that everybody, everybody keeps saying, and I'm not, I'm not trying to continue to be negative because there were things about this movie that I like, but awesome. I, I didn't, I didn't think that the way that it was portrayed in the movie, uh, their reason to fight and hate each other was tight at all i felt it was actually kind of thin they had to manu- <laughs> manufacture all of this stuff with like the you know the bombing at the capitol and all this other stuff and then they you know they fight for about two minutes two and a half minutes something like that and martha. then they're like oh martha. we're okay That's convenient. we're okay that, now that and was it was like hilarious was just another example of why their entire motivation to fight each other th- these are two of the most brilliant people in the world if they in five seconds they could with have mommy resolved issues, guys. with mommy issues, but they could have resolved the whole thing. So that's the entire premise of the movie is is another reason why I felt like it just I don't buy that these guys would fight each other over this. I just don't buy do you it. Mean, do you mean to say that intelligent people solve their problems with words and not violence? Superman. Because that's not the world we live in. <laughs> anyway, well, I just I, think... I just didn't buy it. And then when they resolved it the way they did as quickly as they did, that was, was stupid. Come on, totally guys. Oh my Come gosh. On. No, 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 no. I, I, I wait. Bought, you're not going to defend. No, oh, I'm going he's, to. He I'm is absolutely he's going, going to. Because man. listen, if if you're going to no. stop Batman, if you're going to stop Bruce Wayne, no, no, seriously, I'm I'm not I'm not even joking. <laughs> if you're going to stop Batman, okay, and and you 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 utter one of his parents' names and begin to have him think again. This is what I'm. This is the bookmarking that I'm talking about in this movie. Batman's entire grounding for doing what he does is because he felt defenseless about his parents dying and he wanted to do something so that nobody ever felt that way again. Okay, so let me get this straight. So the word Martha is Batman's kryptonite. If you say the word Martha, you're immediately his friend. No. Joker should have learned that years ago because that's exactly what happened <laughs> in this movie. That's exactly what happened. He literally said the word Martha. He was about no, to kill didn't. him, he literally kill him. He said something about Martha. And then he's like, oh, well, what I'm not going to kill you anymore. That was, that, was, that was the whole ending. It was ridiculous. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you that um, it's not a it doesn't make sense. literary. No, it does. I, no, it's a comic book thing to do. I'm sorry. It, it absolutely... I don't know. In, in, in this world, I felt like, for me, it made sense that Batman, the, the only way he was going to stop this rage is to remember why he was... The, he started being Batman in the first place. And all of that is oh. fine on paper, but it's the execution that's the problem here. I didn't have... I, a, I, I'm I, tired of the... And I don't, I don't mean this from you, Chris, but it's... I've seen so many people on Facebook that defend this that defend this movie that say, why do you care? You should just have fun and just go yes. in and just love it. And I just... I, I reject that on its face because why? it's because I am not an idiot. I don't have to go in and go, I will just accept foolishness and shoddy filmmaking because they're punching each other and they're superheroes. No, I, don't, I don't have to do that. There have been wonderful, the ideas of all in this movie are the ideas and the groundwork for some very compelling, very interesting, exciting and thrilling stories but in the hands of Zack Snyder, I believe he is incapable of making something that's worthy of the ideas because the execution is so poor. Now, it looks, he has skills, there's no doubt. Visual skills, no doubt about it. But he cannot craft a story. Marvel has done it time and time again. So I, I, I reject it that it cannot be done. It can be done. 
Man okay, of Steel uh, and this movie are perfect examples of how not to do it. And the fact that he's signed to do both Justice League movies makes me very sad. Okay. But there are um, more things to be sad about in the world. I yeah. I've already stated my piece on, on it. I'm, I don't feel like trying to defend that anymore because obviously I'm, I'm not going to. Anyway, it Leave doesn't my matter. Superman alone. Leave him alone. Just kill him. Just kill him in this universe and get rid of him. How so did we don't you have feel about How did you feel about that? Uh, you, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. But no, you started out with how did you feel about Superman dying? Were you expecting and, that? Were you? Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I mean. So it's not. For me, it wasn't about whether I was expecting it or not. I mean, I, yes and no. I, I feel like they could have done that differently without killing him. Um, like, they could have taken the guy down with kryptonite without Superman dying, yeah. too. But we won't talk about that because he did it to accomplish the goal of the end of the movie. And <laughs> I felt like the last, I, maybe it was 10 minutes or so of the movie. Um, from the time he flew at him with the spear on until the very end was the most insulting part of the movie to the audience. Like, I mean, it makes a great Easter movie because it is a perfect Easter movie. Cause it's exactly what it is. And Superman is just this great Christ figure. But everyone who's in that theater knows that Superman is the embodiment of all of human hope and human hope can never die and let's stop pretending that he's dead. It's stupid. Everyone knows he's not dead. Sure. Don't spend 10 minutes of the movie pretending he is. To answer, I'm your, done. To answer your question, Chris, oh. as soon as I knew that Doomsday was in, I expected him to just because Doomsday who kills is who kills Superman in the comics. Wait, Doomsday or Darkseid? I'm confused now. Doomsday is the bad guy. Also another wasted uh, character, but whatever. Uh, Doomsday <laughs> is the villain at the end. Who in the comic Oh, is that his name? Who That's in the comic nice books actually killed Superman. So, yeah. um, and, and th- which, whatever, I don't care. I, whatever. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Cause everybody's, I'm just, everything I say is negative, but, um, whatever. I mean, it's fine. so go ahead, Daniel. How, how about you, man? How did you feel about the ending? Was it disappointing? Um, it wasn't disappointing. It was fine. I don't have strong feelings. I mean, I, I, uh, yeah, I didn't think they would have the guts to actually kill Superman at the end of it. They uh, did Josh, don't worry. Well, yeah, Josh is completely right. Like, there is no... We know he's not dead, but this isn't the first franchise film to do something like this. It's not like... I don't think they actually truly expect us to really believe he's dead because nobody would, but I don't know. It was whatever. Because of the Just last like the rest few of the frames movie. of this movie, maybe? Well, yeah, true. Awesome. Um, I mean, Wonder Woman was was I liked Wonder Woman in the fight yeah. at the end. I thought it was great. Dude, I, thought, and I her, thought her character looked really cool, and she seems very exciting. I, I'm I am actually interested in her spinoff. I think that I think that could be really good. Yeah, when they pulled up that picture of her from 1918, because I didn't expect that at all. I was like, dang, that was a pretty cool movie. I'm excited for the next movie now. So they they did yeah. that well from my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, I think we've we've pretty much yeah, uh, we driven have. this as far as we possibly can. Um, I, I'm uh, glad you loved it, Chris. I'm glad. I'm glad you did. More. I love you for loving it. And let yeah, me, yeah. And let me say this too: the one, the, the one little scene where I thought, why can't more of the movie be like this? Is the actual the library scene where Lex gave the speech, and then he has them where they meet each other and all that. That See, was super enjoyable. That was that's what great. That's what I'm saying. Like that, that's why people. I'm that's telling four you, minutes. That's four minutes. Of no, two no, and no. And a half but hours. I'm just, I'm just saying, people like you're just saying you didn't like Lex. You didn't like. 
I, I honestly think, and I think, I, I believe people are correct, and, and I, I think the problem is, is that there's, if this movie's too dense. There's too much in it. If, if Zach could have just whittled it down, gotten rid of some of the stuff, added more of the character things, and, and hired a better editor. Well, no, there, I, I truly believe once we see this 30 minute added in, the R rated version of this, this is going to make a lot more sense. There's a character who's missing, uh, who, if you're familiar with the comic book, Barbara Gordon uh, was in this movie. And um, if you're familiar with um, that storyline, you know what happens to Barbara Gordon and what that does to Batman. And so I think, honestly, it, it, it's a, it is a mess narratively. Um, but I think all the pieces are there. They just didn't put them in the correct uh, the correct way. And uh, it is a little disappointing to me, but I I really do feel like there's a good movie here. And uh, I guess I just found it, and uh, a lot of people didn't. So that's well, most okay. people do. I good. mean, the user has like seventy-five yeah. percent. Most people agree yeah. with you, Chris. I have no no doubt when people hear me, several of my friends will text me and tell me that I'm an idiot, but I don't care. No, I don't think any of you guys are idiots. I really don't. I know this, this goes back to back to the conversation. Before. But but I know I I just it's disappointing to me because I feel like I saw a different movie than you guys did, uh, and and you know it's just it, it's kind of a bummer. But anyway, I guess that is what it is. It's Leave film. My Superman alone. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. Uh, I got my Batman. I feel good about my Batman. You're listening to the Screeners Podcast. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in to our beautiful arguments. Uh, I hope we didn't incite too much anger and hatred from our review tonight. But you can let us know on Facebook. Uh, you can find us on there and uh, and tell us to go jump off a bridge. Or you can tell us how much you love Batman versus Superman. Uh, or you can follow us on Twitter at ScreenersCast. Let us know what you think uh, and uh, what is what you want us to talk about. All right, well, we'll see you next time. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time. Next time.